Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Hurley from Sweetheart Pub, and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rookie, the beginner's guide to the music industry. We'll have a whole slew of brand new shows for you this year, but maybe not one every week. If this is your first time joining us, well, we talk to industry insiders and ask them to give us their best tips to help musicians navigate the music biz. In past shows, we've talked to booking agents, sync agents, managers, entertainment lawyers, editors, radio programmers, distributors, writers, music supervisors, and many, many more. They've all shared their vast knowledge to help musicians just starting out or veterans who want to keep up with this always changing industry. This week on Music Rookie is an interview with Daniel Cohn, who is the editor of Spin Magazine. In this conversation from 2021, you'll hear us talk about Daniel's journey as a music journalist, what he looks for in a story, and his vision for Spin, now that it's under new ownership. So, let's get started. Why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit about your background? How did you get into music journalism? Was that kind of the goal or did you end up there by accident? I ended up here purely by accident. I've always been a big fan of music. I remember in summer camp when I was 11 years old hearing the opening chords of Smells Like Teen Spirit. I remember looking at my camp counselor. I was like, what the hell is that type of thing? Rewind it. It was on cassette. So it's like, play it again. And it was like, why? It's like, don't you want to hear the whole thing? I'm like, no, I just want to hear that little bit again. And I heard it and I listened to the whole song and my, my world was forever changed by that song. And I listened to In Bloom. Then I heard Come As You Are, and then I guess Breed was next, and then Lithium, and my life was forever changed at that moment in 1992, just as Nirvana was you know, blowing up, and it was earth-shattering to me. I got into music and listened more, and put a Tower Records, buy cassettes, CDs, first begging my parents for 10 bucks or whatever it was for one of those long boxes. I heard their you know, music in the car for all these years. Now it's like, I want my music. And then I kind of got into high school. I was into alt-rock, definitely hip-hop at that time, hardcore into hip-hop. And then in college, I was still a big music fan. I went to a ton of shows. I had friends who started working in the biz early, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I accidentally fell into starting a management company and label, which I did for a few years. It's called Project Records. We have some stuff up on Spotify, but it's been a long time since. Right. I have it still, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's going to take a lot to get me back into that game. Being in your early 20s, you kind of didn't know what you were doing at the time. And then I read a book when I was at the hospital. It was a biography. It was one of those light shining moments. You're sitting in a hospital bed and you're reading a book. It's like, well, I think I could do this. This was Halloween 2007, and I didn't have any real writing experience since like high school, basically. I wrote a research piece for the Emory Political Journal where I went to college. That was like five years earlier, and it was very bad writing, and it was very rusty and embarrassing, frankly. I took the GRE. I had like a month to study for it, got my shit together, wrote some essays, sent some, you know, short samples of stuff that I was hoping would suffice, and sent it off to grad school's. Got into one, got waitlisted at another, got rejected from two, went to the one I went to, and away we go. 
And then you just started writing pitches to outlets and getting freelance jobs? Not so quickly, but in between my first and second year of grad school, I had an internship in London at DJ Mag, which was a hell of a you know, learning experience on the job. Literally everything in that office of like six people. They did print and online, and online was very nascent at that time for them. So I was kind of, I wouldn't say the young whippersnapper because I definitely wasn't, but I was the one tasked with doing stuff for a website. And then, you know, I had some stuff in the print issues, which I still have in my, my personal archive, which very proud of. When I graduated, it was kind of like you're thrown into the deep end with cinder blocks on. I was an intern for Filter Mag, rest in peace, from you know, all of 2010, basically. And then after that, I started freelancing a little bit and learning the business and figuring it out, especially at that time when the blog era was really in heavy demand and then kind of tapering off. It was a lot of navigating that in this whole weird new terrain that you didn't learn in J school. So you're now at Spin. How long have you been there? A few months? No, I've been there almost a year and a half at this point. I I know it's the pandemic. It really is blurred everything together. I remember seeing like, you know, we're all on this like PR list or whatever. And I remember seeing that you had gotten the job and they were like, did they change owners? What's the, what's the story? Yeah, it used to be owned by Prometheus, which is, you know, the billboard company and Mm -hmm. billboard sold it to my boss. And yeah, and then they hired me a few weeks after that. Is he just or, an individual person that's into music? Why did he? Well, it's a private equity company. Okay. So, like, like, which is how, you know, the business is going. He's very passionate about music, really loves music. And, you know, is a big fan of Spin. And he read it like I did when it's Roaring 90s yeah. Days, when it was the alternative to Rolling Stone and the, right. the right. only other show in town. You know, right. especially if you're, you were growing up in the 90s, it was always like, ah, oh, you, you don't see your parents' bands were generally in Rolling Stone. Where yeah, I was about to say that. Rolling Stone was your dad's magazine. Spin was like the cool magazine. Exactly. 90s. And I remember my dad getting me a copy of Spin when Cobain died, like that mm-hmm. whole issue. And it was, you know, ever from that moment on, I was kind of hooked on like what they were doing. And I always loved the voice and loved the humor, the irreverence. Just as I was getting through high school, everything in that magazine was just roaring with energy. And, you know, it, it was excellent writing. It was like the best writers. It was always like, wow, you know, these guys, people really have their finger on the pulse of things. It's like, wow, oh, I'm learning about this. And, you know, and that's kind of what Spin always meant to me was just that roaring energy of really capturing voice and place. So is that what you're trying to bring back to it now? What changes have you made since you've been there? What are some of the things that you're trying to turn it into? Yeah, basically to kind of establish voice again and kind of differentiate from what's going on outside of the, you know, the 24 hour news cycle. A lot of stuff these days are based on referrals or Google or everything like that. I'm trying to build it to a place where people want to go to a destination site again, where people feel like they're getting quality work and it's worth their time to check it out again. And the big thing with that is people's time or, you know, their attention spans, not even 15 minutes, 15 seconds these days. Mm -hmm. So it's providing them, you know, 15 seconds to five minutes of their time each day to kind of feel like they used it wisely. Whether that be, you know, an in-depth feature, writing a tribute or a list or just something that real music fans and real culture fans, because we're 
bringing back kind of a culture element to it too that that's been missing for a long time because the one thing i've realized readers have interests besides music they're not one trick ponies and, and that was the thing about the spin of those days is that they weren't just music articles there, was, there wasn't just music interviews there wasn't just album reviews there's you know issues you know i think they went to sarajevo during the you know during the conflict there and then Tiananmen Square and like things like that that I remember as a kid it's like oh yeah this is interesting to learn about what's going on in the world it wasn't just only music so I kind of want that to be reflected I always say to my writers that if you're interested in this you're probably not the only one who's interested in this mm-hmm. and if you're feeling passionate about it you're not the only one who's passionate about it or you know or else there's something really wrong. But I highly doubt that that's the case. And I usually will give a green light to that because if someone's really fired up and knows a topic, it's like that piece is going to reflect that energy and excitement too, which is going to be infectious to readers. It's like sharing with readers stories that are worth their time. And I feel like, you know, in the last five, six years everywhere, it's kind of like who can get everything out the fastest. And Mm -hmm kind of played in search engines which you know it's fine it is what it is but it's like i feel like at some point the pendulum's going to swing back where people want to feel like they're engaged in something and they're you know and passionate about something and want to be informed about something right so that's kind of that's kind of the vision is to you know basically take a step back and kind of yeah. look big picture and share stories and tell stories that are worth being told that are worth people's time Really, we're here to talk about musicians. This is a podcast for musicians, and they want to know what kind of stories you cover. What are you looking for for people to get covered in your magazine? Are you looking at people's social numbers? Are you looking at a really good uh, story angle? Do you just listen to a song and you say, that's badass. I'm going to write about it. I don't care about anything else. I've gotten a lot of different answers to this, and I've been really surprised because when I first started these interviews, I really thought people were going to say more. We care about analytics. We care about how many people come to the site to read the story that we write about you. We look at your social media numbers. And if we don't feel that you're going to draw enough eyeballs to our website, then we're not going to spend the time and effort and money in writing about that. I've really been told by a lot of people lately that they don't care about that. Well, social media numbers are usually a fool's errand anyway, because those can be bought. It's, so you have yeah. to look at the amount of engagement on yeah. a person's account. If you even go to data route. Yeah. I personally, I, I go for story. If the music's good, check. Mm-hmm. And if the story's good, three checks. If someone has this harrowing, super interesting narrative arc, that's way more interesting regardless of genre. Because if this person has an interesting story, their art's likely to reflect what they do and why they're interesting it's going to be reflected in their story whether it's autobiographical or creative or whatnot so the big thing i want is arc why what's so different what is the actual story here i did it literally yesterday because i was going to write this story on this band and i got pitched and i'm like why are you better than me to tell the story prove it to me the person sends me a link i did this i'm like great I listened to the album. Great that you talked to them, but that doesn't tell me shit. Try again. And then they said something else. I said, well, I don't know. I still think I'm going to do a better job than you on this. And then they got into it. I'm like, all right, 
you've proven yourself. This isn't like Indiana Jones where they kind of have to go through like hurdles. I want to know why you're the right person to tell this band's story and why is this story interesting? It's been told so many times or not told at all. If the reader clicks, you have them. You better not lose them. So there has to be something. It could be a smoking hot song too, like the Linda Linda's group. That song rules. Like it was so awesome to see them, you know, really explode in the past week or so. Mm-hmm. They're not even teenagers. Like that's right. that in itself is interesting. The fact that they could write a killer song and you know they've been doing it for however many years already, like that's interesting. Like Nandy Bushel, the the girl in England who's gotten all the mainstream rock people's attention. She's a great musician. Her whole thing with Dave Grohl going back and forth was like one of the warmest things to happen over the pandemic. But it's also like, all right, she's 10. How did she get this good this fast? I want to know. So right. it's a lot of that type of stuff I look for. I'll hear something or see something that pops up that really catches my ear. And I'll just go on gut because the way I've been taught is people never remember the stories that don't hit. They only remember the stories that do hit. And if you could tell it the right way, it could impact far beyond a run-of-the-mill filler story. It's kind of going on gut off of maybe, you know, a little bit of column B and column C from what you said. Because analytics are, especially with new artists, analytics aren't going to tell you anything. Some of our best stuff is the stuff that people don't have the best following, but they have a rabid following. And that mm-hmm. is something that matters to me way more than social numbers. Say if you're an artist that has 3 million followers on Instagram and like eight people show up to watch your live stream and you're an artist who has, has 9,000 and like a thousand of those people, it's way better. And that's what you kind of hope for when you're writing about someone. There's no metric that can describe how a person feels. And I feel like a lot of that has gotten lost in recent the recent decade, I should say. Right. I think that also an issue is that a lot of people just don't know what their story is. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I deal with that, obviously, a, a lot when I start writing a bio for a band and interviewing them and like trying to get them to like, why, why do I care? Most musicians problem is that they don't know who they are. Yeah, you know, they yeah. don't really know who they are and can like project that to people. This is who I am. This is what I believe in. These are, this is all the interesting things about me. They kind of look at it like they want to put out their art and someone else to be like, you're great. Right, that's not why you're a creator. You might as well be saying, I make songs because I want money. Right. You have to do it for yourself. You have to be able to express yourself. I think being able to express yourself in your art is the best way of making art because it's authentic and true to yourself. But if and you know why you're doing it. Well, there's also a difference between being a musician and selling music, right? Correct. Like you can sit in your bedroom and make beautiful songs. You might not be up for the task of going out and marketing yourself and selling that music and being an entertainer. It's also something that you can work on. I used to be a really shy person. And I just knew that in order to get ahead in this business, I had to just lay it out there, you know, and just like step out and like say what I thought and like make my mark and not be scared because everybody is scared. You know what I mean? You just have to realize everybody's scared. Absolutely. And I think that's what it comes down to is people don't want to address who they really are. And it's scary. You can go to a dark place sometimes, but once you get out of that hole, you know, you come out on the better side, a better person. And I think your art will be better for it, but you just need to be self-aware. It's like, it's got to be confident and believe in yourself and everything else will fall into place. Just look at the most successful artists. Not only do they have thick skin, there's just a a mojo or a confidence about them that makes them just seem that much more resilient and appealing to fans. 
So tell me about trends and music right now. Is there anything hot going on that people should be paying attention to? Are you paying attention to music technology? What's what's the new thing? You should be like the center of it all, right? Yeah, it's funny you say that. The thing I've noticed, which is still the strangest thing in terms of trends, is like you know, all this pop punk coming back around. I guess it's having a moment again. There's this a, a huge sense of nostalgia in music. Maybe that's because of the pandemic, but there's a yeah. huge sense of nostalgia and people rediscovering things. A lot of rediscovery going on and leaning into things like pop punk. In emo to a lesser degree, because emo was always pretty well respected by listeners and critics. But pop punk in particular was kind of laughed at as this teenage warp tour type of thing, where now it's like Olivia Rodrigo is putting out a pop punk song on her album that smashed. And then you have like Willow Smith working with Travis Barker. And obviously the biggest test case for this is Machine Gun Kelly going number one doing pop punk. But isn't it kind of the classic rock for millennials? That's what I was just about to say, and that kind of freaks me out in a way. You know, we've heard genres dead for so long, but I really am starting to think that because I think we're at the point where, A, things are so saturated in terms of people's ability to grow, like, literally go on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, whatever your provider is, you can find something at, at the click of a song or an algorithm tweak. I feel like the listeners' views now are not as pigeonholed as they once were. People's tastes have expanded to the point where they're into discovery, if that makes sense. And yes, pop punk is God, the millennials classic rock. That is an excellent point. But I feel like tra- trend-wise, people just want authenticity and stuff that they could feel personally. Why else do you listen to music unless you want to hear a story or you want to be able to relate to someone? Well, and just listening to the radio, which I like- I rarely drive anywhere because I'm the same, eight, so the same eight songs all the time. Well, no, it's not. No, I feel like it used to be like there was the pop station, right. the country station, the rap station, and now the pop station in Memphis—they've got country, they've got rap. It's all over the place. That's a good thing, though. I feel yeah. like people having variety and like it goes back to what I was saying about our readers not liking just music. They like yeah. culture. They like movies. They go to the movies. They read books. It's like. And they listen to more than one genre and things should reflect what people want to hear. But let me push back on you on one thing. Do you think that could be because country has veered so much more towards pop and rap or hip hop has veered so much towards pop that they kind of, you know, they sound a lot more similar than they used to. So it's kind of like, it's easier to like all these things because they kind of all sound the same but it, but it also shows that the artists are listening to things outside their bubble too yeah. and look at rock rock has kind of fallen off in the past yeah. 10 12 years but it, it, the fan base is still there just because it's not being heard on pop radio doesn't yeah. mean that it's gone away i've heard so many rock is dead things and it's not it's gone back to its underground garage roots you know everyone wants to do something that works they want to be they want things to be successful and they're i think they they also want to cross over other people's audiences well of course there's a cynical element in that regard too but at the same time you're not going to just hop on someone's song if you don't know who they are i mean you could there could very well be a financial incentive to do that but you're also putting your career at risk by doing that as well yeah so they have to know what they're dealing with and they have in the most broad sense know what's going on Mm-hmm. So as that line is kind of, you know, been going on a collision course, probably for about 20 years with country becoming, you know, back when Shania Twain was probably the first big one. 
yeah. to really hit. And then every, everything else since then, I feel like paved that way. And hip hop's been just this you know, locomotive in its own regard too, towards pop radio that it makes sense that the things would fuse together at a certain point. I think that the ultimate fusion of all that is like BTS, which to me is the most manufactured music that you could can make, right? You have people that don't even speak English. <laughs> they make good music though. And aren't all boy bands like that though? Weren't all boy bands manufactured? Yeah. It's all the same thing except BTS oh, yeah. though. Oh yeah. BTS does it better. I mean, yeah. they, they make really catchy, fun songs. You know, whoever's behind this is doing a great job. I yeah. you know, I think they're doing a hell of a job. They're the biggest band in the world right now, debatably. Right. But it's always I mean, been that way. I don't band. dislike like, them at all. It just seems like the most dreamed up pop outfit you could do. You know, it just I mean, seems I like it I'm just not, doesn't I'm seem not organic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think either of us are their audience, though. So, yeah. No, it's fine. I, they don't bother me. I'm not mad. I don't. I'm not mad at any music. I've always had the outlook like if you enjoy it, you should enjoy it. You know, that's what music is for. Is for your enjoyment. And yeah. I don't care if you listen to it or not. It doesn't bother me. Listen to whatever you like. I hear you there. I mean, I'm not one to criticize what I don't understand. Or the fact that so many people like a certain thing will either give me interest or pause. But the whole boy band phenomenon, I mean, I made up my mind in 1999 about that. I mean, I've kind of deviated slightly in my older age about mm -hmm. what my feelings on that are. But, you know, what did Hansel say in Zoolander Sting? I don't listen to his music much, but the fact that he makes it, I respect that. That's yeah. kind of become my feeling towards things that I don't really listen to or understand, you know, or understand as well as I do certain other things. Right. It's totally cool. Anyone can listen to whatever they want to. It's all good. Well, I think we've had a pretty good conversation. I've learned a yeah. lot from you. I'm excited to uh, see what else Spin does. Anything like coming up that's big that you guys have planned or just going month to month, making it happen? Okay, so we just did our best of the year. So mm -hmm. that that's kind of a glimpse into what we're all listening to and what we really are championing this year. Goes to your point, you're going to see some big names and you're going to see some not so big names, but it's the not so big names, the ones I wrote about personally, they're the ones that are my favorite albums of the year. Mm -hmm. And I'm really like, you know, staunch behind these, the two albums I wrote about because they're you know, terrific artists and I think the sky is the limit and we like championing, we just like championing things we like. Well, thanks yeah. for talking to me. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. And this was a... Uh, blast thanks for having me on and yeah i really appreciate it and there you have it thanks to dan for taking the time to chat with me be sure to check out spin if you haven't in a while they're really doing some great reporting these days thanks for listening to the show this week if you're interested in more insider information just like this be sure to check out our weekly newsletter you can sign up on sweetheartpub.com and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to be notified when the next one comes out. If you've got a specific question you'd like for us to address, feel free to tweet me or shoot me an email. I am not hard to find. Now, go do something useful. <laughs>